This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. Welcome to another edition of Untold Valor. Thanks for tuning into the podcast as we talk with uh, different folks through different walks of life, sharing their stories as it relates to the military and life after the military and issues that can arise. And we've got a special guest once again this week. We're always happy to have various different folks come on and talk to us from walks of life. And of course, Reverend Ben is here as my co-host as always. But we also have Kyle Hanlon with us. Uh, And Kyle's got quite the resume as well. We're going to get into Kyle's story here in just a second. Right now, he is the vice president of LLMC Partners, where he provides advisory services to companies and organizations to guide them on leadership and organizational culture. Uh, and he's got a ton of other things in there. So we're going to get into his story here in just a second, but it was just a quick uh, rundown on Kyle. First of all, Reverend Ben, welcome in. How are you this week? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing good. Always glad to have you here to share your side of things as well. And uh, looking forward to talking with Kyle and getting into his story. So let's jump in and get going. Kyle, thanks for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's really an honor. Absolutely. No, we always appreciate uh, folks' time to stop by and share their stories with others. So let's just start with our basic thing we typically do, Kyle. Tell us about your time, uh, you know, about your service. Uh, You served in the military. You were in the Army. So tell us a little bit about you and your backstory. Of course. I've always say that I've had the most nonlinear career path there was. Um, I don't say that as a flex by any means. Just uh, (laughs) when when I talk to people, it's the the quickest reaction I get is, do you have professional ADD? And I I think I do. I served uh, six years active, two years guard. And then I started, I was actually a civilian working for the Navy. So I either upgraded or downgraded, depending on your point of view, going from the Army to the Navy. I was. I started off as an avionics technician. I was a 15 Fox truck. Uh, I worked on Blackhawks and Chinooks, uh, working on electrical systems. Uh, and then after a series of unfortunate events, we lost our entire supply department the moment we got to Iraq within the first month. Oh, wow. Uh, and then they, they said, hey, we need three volunteers. I said, uh, three volunteers for what, Sergeant? Okay, now we need two volunteers. So that's how I got into supply chain management <laughs> as, <laughs> as, a, as a 92 Yankee uh, doing on-the-job training uh, for, for the Army. Then, uh, a very rare occurrence, our unit got disbanded after we got back. So then they didn't know what to do with me, so uh, they threw me over. I became a 27 Delta, which is a paralegal. Hmm. Uh, so I went from avionics to supply chain management to the law, which just fl- logically flows naturally, right? Yeah, I was going to say that makes total <laughs> sense linearly. Yeah. yeah, of course. Which the reason I, the reason why I bring this up is because it really puts the backdrop to where my life went and what uh, gives context to the story. Mm-hmm. And then I got I got offered a ver- very great deal with the Pennsylvania National Guard. I got a two year contract with two year non deployable status, and I was planning on getting out to go to college anyways. So why not, you know, I was going to use my GI bill to the hilt. Why not use 
one of the things that I was learning and keeping in touch with, which is what I try to tell all veterans mm-hmm. that's about to get out, is try to learn from the mistakes of other people. Don't try to learn the hard way yourself. Yeah. And so I was trying to learn and study what are some of the hardships that people were dealing with when they were getting out before I got out. And one of the, you know, people were looking at where are they going to live? What are they going to do for work? Um, how are they going to get an income? That's the, the primary focus of people when they were getting out. That, that transition period is what you're talking about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. That, that transition period. And I was like, well, what about health care? Uh, you know, health insurance. What about those uh, those little nuances that trip everybody up? What about those social expectations? Uh, what about the friends that you had before you went into the military? And now that you're coming out, are, do you still have that same connection? Mm-hmm. Or are you hoping that everything stayed the same, like time stopped? And so right. I started looking at that and I said, okay, well, I'm going to join the guard coming out so that I would at least have a nice transition period. I ended up using my GI Bill really far more than what it was intended. Because at the time, this the the post-9-11 GI Bill, the Chapter 33, was, wasn't really closely monitored. So I did three degrees in 34 months straight. I did wow. an associate's, a bachelor's, and a master's in 34 months. Uh, because why have a social life? <laughs> well, yeah, right out the window, <laughs> right out the window. Uh, well, the figure, the way I looked at it is, well, the GI Bill was going to pay for $90,000. Why not? What, that's yeah. a student loans that I didn't need. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, definitely t- just uh, jumping in and taking uh, taking advantage of the situation. Why not? Exactly. I see you have uh, completed seven degrees all time. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, and I I just enrolled into an eighth wow. um, because I, I must be a glutton for punishment. But uh, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's really because I'm a firm believer that Four people stand around an elephant. They're going to each person's going to have a different perspective of what that elephant looks like. Hmm. And so I really found my calling in the military about serving others, about serving the general community. Um, and what, you know, I've always believed uh, there's so many issues going on. I just never said, oh, I'm just going to sit that back and complain about those issues. To me, I don't really feel how I, me personally, I'm not saying this about anybody else, but for me personally, I've never really felt comfortable or justifiable in how I can complain without trying to do something about that. Yeah. So I'm trying to look at different ways of how I can serve, better serve my community, whether that's through engineer, whether that's through a, a systems perspective of engineering management, whether that that's through a policy of, at a federal or state level with my doctorate in public policy and administration, or whether that's looking at individual behaviors in the veteran community with IO psych, um, or just finding veterans with uh, with GIS, you know, just geographical information systems just trying to understand different perspectives for this. Hmm. And this really led me to, again, after I was done the first first few degrees, uh, I then uh, started working for the NAFSUP, the Naval Supply Systems Command uh, in Northeast Philadelphia. And I was working in four military sales where I was the logistical liaison between the U.S. Navy and 19 different countries where I was literally working not just with the U.S. Navy, but working with foreign militaries and understanding I started seeing commonalities, uh, not just in the U.S. military, but all militaries. So what do you mean commonalities in what in what arena, Kyle? In terms of the culture. 
Okay. And thank you for pointing that out because that's really the one of the biggest hiccups that we as veterans we have a misalignment. We, there's this there, the misalignment of expectations. We, there seems to be this understanding that just because we're recruited from the civilian world, that we're when we go back to that society, it's the same society that we knew and were used to. Okay, but yeah, I got you. But, so the transition um, period of of the cultural shift, right? It really is a cultural shift. Yeah. The DoD, the DoD has, spends an average ten billion with a B. Every year on indoctrination programs, whether it's you know, for recruitment um, and indoctrination, it has a stigma to it. It's not it's just it means it's a change in culture. It doesn't mean yeah. anything bad. It's a harsh it, word. It, yeah, for sure. It really is a harsh word. And I, it doesn't mean that by any means. It just means it's a shift in culture, because how do you get people from all walks of life? To follow and align with this, with the same core values and behaviors, or as I, I call the un, unspoken acceptable norms, values, and beliefs of an organization. But makes the, sense. we spend on average $10 billion a year. But then when people transition out, the DOD spends $40 million, with an M on transition services for people leaving. But then the VA, the Department of Veteran Affairs, spends over 300 million every single year on transition services or social services for veterans trying to reintegrate them back into society. It's still a pretty big disparity in numbers. It really is. And that's just the financial impact to the general public. 68% of veterans after leaving the military, 68 seek some sort of social reintegration services within at the VA within the first three months of getting out. 92%, that number jumps up to 92% if you stretch that out to a year. 92% of veterans find uh, seek some sort of help trying to find their place in life through the VA within the first year. That There is a major issue going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Kyle, I do agree with you. There are a lot of of veterans who uh, do not are not aware of the, um, the resources that are available to them, and my in my situation when I got out, I didn't even know I would even have benefits until somebody told me. So it's very important that the veterans know that the, the um, benefits are there. Yeah, they're seeking them. It sounds Absolutely. like Kyle, but they're just sometimes there's a connectivity issue. Maybe is that is that what we're looking at? Possibly. Possibly, you know, <laughs> as a scholar myself or a scholar practitioner, it's a really it's a more accurate uh, description. I try to uh, not say, oh, this is definitely the cause, but I would say that's absolutely a probable influence to to the outcome. Absolutely. Okay. Which I struggled myself. Uh, and part of the thing is that I didn't realize until after years, almost a decade afterwards, um, I didn't even realize that I had PTSD until about 10 years after I got out mm-hmm. uh, because I'm like, no, 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 no. There's there's other things going on. Other people have things so, far more worse than I do. There was no one single event, um, but I didn't realize just how impacted I was by the cultural disparity of that transition. So like a, a loss of identity? Is, is that there's, part there's of that? A, a major, major. It's a loss of plate. It's a loss of identity central identity mm-hmm. and a loss of placement within society. Mm. It's a shock too. It's a cultural shock to be reintroduced to civilian society when there's no system set up for that. Yes. It's a shock to the veteran. 
Yes. There's it literally it's a culture shock. And I went through that firsthand without understanding that, which is why, you know, they always say that psychologists become psychologists, you know, the old joke. And again, I mean this as a joke, but the old joke is that uh, psychologists become psychologists because they they have some personal issue that they're trying to work through. You know, I studied (laughs) veteran reintegration because I struggled so much with my reintegration. Yeah. Uh, You know, finding finding a job, you know, finding sustainable work, the whole nine yards. The TAP program, the Transition Assistance Program, is a fantastic program if you're trying to help with career transition. But the problem is that veterans do not understand or just and i know the only generalization is you can't make generalizations but i'm making a generalization here you know generally speaking veterans have a hard time understanding that it's a different culture that they're returning to it's not the same thing that they're used to that their placement in society that the symbols that we're used to um, that that we interact with on a daily basis our uniform our badges um, our unit patches represent where we belong. Even our rank structure helps us understand where where we fit in as society. And then we don't have that when we get out. Hmm. Um, and even the expectation of civilians on us. You know, I had one job where my boss said uh, hired a bunch of veterans, and this was with the federal government, mind you. This wasn't a private company. The federal government is like, I, you know, I hired a bunch of veterans because you guys know how to take orders. I don't understand why there's any issue. And that's the assumption is that there's a massive disconnect between military and the civilian sector. And I think, Even well, that would probably apply to the job, too, right? In some cases, people do think, they oh, let me hire somebody from the military, ex-military, because they do have that... Uh, uh, you know, focus, I suppose, maybe, right? But then depending on the type yes. of job or work that it is, that may not translate. And the reason why it does translate is because the underlying culture is missing. A E3, or I should say, you know, in the Army, it will be a private. Um, a junior enlisted is trusting their more senior NCOs, not because an order is given, mm. but because that junior enlisted knows that an or- that order would not be given arbitrarily without trying to ensure the safety of that junior or junior enlisted. Yeah. And the corporate world definitely, especially recently has a lot of, there's a lot of openness to it, right. In a lot of ways. So you could easily see where you could get lost and not have that, that track to follow. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, so this is one of the reasons why I, I studied, I went back and kind of worked through my own issues of how much problems that, that are, you know, I'm trying to, through helping others, I'm trying to help myself, which is something that veterans do uh, do almost naturally, is we try to help each other to help ourselves. Yeah. We, we reach out and we, we try to be that band of brothers and sisters to ensure that we're, we're a support system. And when I did my research, I was looking at what is the cultural transition, not the career transition, but what are those social expectations on the veterans part and of the civilian side part of how do you calibrate back to the civilian world? Well, and if for a second, think about the cultural shift too, depending on when and where you served. Okay. You know, because the think about how we've just seen it in society from a cultural shift from whether you served in Vietnam or whether you served in Iraq, right? There's Absolutely. totally different. And, and the mindsets of the, the public at home obviously shifted greatly in that 40 year, 50 year period too. Absolutely. 
but I would say that there's still a lot of commonality. That, True. Yeah. Uh, because that the they say that one uh, percent, uh, less than one percent, are currently serving, mm-hmm. um, and on and the VA doesn't even know how many veterans are currently living in the United States, which wow. is an uh, issue all itself. Yeah. But some es- the biggest estimates I've seen are just under seven percent of the total population are have served in the military. Which means there's a massive disparity that there's no Rosetta Stone for a, a large a 93% of the population to really understand what cultural differences the veterans have mm. and vice versa. And maybe that's some of the struggle. So, you know, obviously what we do here on the podcast uh, in the particular mission of this and uh, from Voice and Vision and Compure Core is to really help veterans. Uh, transition, figure out where they can get help if they need help. Just coming up with the fact that it's okay to ask for help, right? I mean, there's whatever stigma you want to go with there. Often there's that, um, you know, be tough, suck it up, whatever kind of thing, right? So you don't need help or don't ask for help or whatever. And so that's a lot of the the uh, the mission on the podcast here. So with that kind of in mind, and you're talking about calibrating or recalibrating to civilian life, uh, anything that you found that was helpful that you could share with listeners who, who may be in a similar situation, who feel a little lost or feel a little struggling with that kind of, uh, you know, aptitude. Absolutely. And I'm really glad you brought up the, the, the stigma of mental health, because if, if your leg was broken, you would go to the hospital. Well, Depending on, you know, I know some construction workers that will probably just duct tape that up and try to finish <laughs> Or at least day. an emergency <laughs> clinic down the street, right? Something, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. But just because it's a behavioral issue or a psychological issue doesn't mean it's not still an issue that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's not, it shouldn't be any different. Now, with that, you know, whether it's military, law enforcement, emergency services, firefighters, you know, there's still that even within the ranks, if you're seeking help, then others in that industry will actually start shunning you. So it does, it, there's a very real professional impact for seeking help. This is one of the reasons why, as much as I say, go help, go seek help, go seek help, go seek help. Oh, and then when you're done seeking help, go seek more help. I understand the realism of it. For a lot of people, that's they just are afraid of what it's going, the stigma of how it's going to impact them and their careers. So what I always say is reach out to your brother and sister. Reach out to another veteran that can help that. I live in a community where in, in Chester County where there's a lot of veterans and we will just at least once a month, we just get together around a bonfire and just start just talking about our lives you know so it doesn't have to be such a great intervention just letting each other know that you're there it is a great start for that yeah ben that's that's something that's obviously right there uh, with your core as well because that's one of the things that you've shared on the podcast before that was helpful for you and that you do with others is just just being there just being a buddy just being somebody who's had similar experiences absolutely you know another thing too is what i have found is that when we are veterans come home and we are stricken with certain uh, ailments and mental health issues, when we find recovery, I have found the only way to really keep it is to give it away. So when Kyle says to reach out to another veteran, that is absolutely correct. That's the only way we can keep it is to share it with somebody else who's still struggling. Paying it forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we were, we were brother and sister in arms downrange. Why is that not still the same here? Hmm. 
Very true. Right? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things for the reintegration is first and foremost, understanding that it's a different culture that we're transitioning into. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you've been out of the service for five or 10 years, I know, like I said, for me, it was still a struggle for almost a decade understanding because I could I just didn't even you know it was kind of I just didn't even understand that there was a problem so just even admitting that there was a problem to go seek help was a struggle in itself because I no 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 I grew up here I grew up in southern southeastern Pennsylvania I know exactly where it is because I you know even throughout my time in the military I'm like no matter where it is when I get out whatever my career takes I'm going to go back to a place where there's a Wawa because I know that's where home is. <laughs> that's right. right. I, I need a tasty cake, man. <laughs> I need a tasty cake. You know, you know, you know, Kyle, you're absolutely right. But you know, one thing we also have to consider, what I found is that the, the veteran goes into the military, he leaves the society. He goes into the military and he he is a whole different culture he's he's struck with. But then coming home, sometimes it's not the same society we left. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it definitely changes, right? It, it, and it, it really does. does. Yeah. And, and that's the that that was really where the focal point of my research was. Just like when you come home from a deployment, your family often changes. As much as we don't, we we hope time stops because time feels like it stops for us while we're downrange. But you know, the your spouse, your your kids, they develop coping mechanisms to move to move on on their daily lives that may not always include us it's not that they don't miss us it's just they have their own way of life just like society keeps going be- with without us as well and that is a very yeah. hard truth to understand which is why in building that support structure around for veterans is within our community is so critical if you don't know where to find a, or find other veterans it's Yes, uh, you know, there's always the VSOs, the Veteran Service Organizations, you know, the the VFW, American Legion, Purple Heart, DAV. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of different places there. But then there's also other areas such as, the, you know, Ch- Chester County and D- Delaware County and, and Montgomery County all have outreach programs that are Veteran Affairs Advisory Councils that you can connect with other veterans. There is often many, many different different events going on almost on a quarterly basis where you can connect with other veterans. Um, we also have this yeah. way of self-identifying with all the flags outside of our houses. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. you know, just re- reach out. Or what about the people we served with? Just because they're not in our local area doesn't mean we don't have to connect. I mean, there is a lot of, uh, I still talk to a, a bunch of my uh, my friends. The, going back to AIT, Advanced Individual Training, it's where you learn your 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 MOS. I still talk to people from 20 years ago. There you go. Um, just reaching out and saying, hey, how are you doing? How is your life? How is your kids? How is your husband? What's going on in your life? It is amazing how much help we can give each other just by letting each other know that we're there. That's a great, yeah, that's a great place to, I think, wrap up the podcast this week as well. So some good resources, some places that Kyle uh, shared, we'll put those up on the show notes as well. And I was going to ask, I always do this at the end of the podcast, what's uh, you know kind of a message that you have for others out there? Clearly this, this entire show has been uh, filled with that, but any kind of specific thing you'd like to hone in on as we, as we depart this week? Yes. I mean, and, and I, I really apologize for, for the, uh, the shameless plug. I really don't mean it to be this way, but I really designed my dissertation 
to be more of a self-help guide mm-hmm. for other veterans. So it's the reacculturation of veterans post transition assistance program. You could just Google my name, K-Y-L-E, Hotel Alpha November, Lima Alpha November. You could just Google that and you'll you'll find a dissertation and it has all the helpful steps on, on the transition. But most importantly, for all the veterans out there, text or call, grab your phone right now and reach out to one of your battle buddies. It could save a life. That's fantastic. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Great story. Tons of information. So we certainly really appreciate having you here. Uh, Ben, thanks for being here as well. I know we're up against the clock on the show. But, again, I always want to thank folks for when they stop by. And we'll put lots of links up for folks to check out afterwards if you need some help. We'll have all that stuff at the end of the podcast as well as ways to subscribe to the show to catch future episodes and, uh, and support others as well. Kyle, thanks again. Thank you. It's been an honor. Reverend Ben, thanks for hanging out, my friend, as always. I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Likewise. And we'll catch you next time here on the podcast. This has been Untold Valor. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. Remember to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Copier Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compure Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description and the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.